Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And uh, Boxhead, via distance this week. Yeah, via distance, but we're doing it. That's all that matters. We're here. Uh, first off, want to start by saying, sending our best wishes to anyone that's been affected uh, in this horrible flood and rain and crazy weather that we've had, uh, especially out in the Hawkesbury. And there's been coastal and country. There's been a lot of areas affected. It's not exactly great to see. And uh, again, on the back of having COVID, obviously last year we had the fires before that. It's just been back to back to back nonstop. Yeah. I guess with the with the severe drought, there's always going to be the opposite come around. We've had severe flooding now, so yeah, reiterate that. It's um, been a tough period for a lot of people, and more importantly, like you can you can lose your material possessions, but if you're safe and your family's safe, then you know that's you just got to take some solace in that. And the other stuff's uh, you know it's not all replaceable, but. Um, it is material stuff and life will go on so I know it's easy for us to say that but we're, we're pretty pretty close to it you know we've had a few messages as well from people sort of asking if we're alright like we're, we're sweet but um, we're very very close to where all the issues are um, we're sort of on the higher end or on the more eastern side of Penrith like I'm not, I'm not even in Penrith you're you're in um or what they call South Penrith, but it's, it's the most eastern part of Penrith from the river. So, um, yeah, we're just... We're not lucky we're there, but... Um, yeah, we're, we're far enough away from the river to be to be non-affected. So I've got a guy, a, a mate at work, who's uh, he hasn't been able to get in. He's in Pitt Town, and he's been um, flooded in. So... Um, and our... Uh, our Sister and, and brother-in-law are uh, they're reined in, so there's a bit, there's a bit going on, but, but everyone's safe, so safe and happy, and the water levels will go down and life will resume, and um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully things get back to normal as soon as they can. Hundred percent. We're very lucky, and uh, again, I've apologised already two or three times for delays, but that's part of the reason for the delay. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of work the last few days um, to power and people without power and turning things off for the whole flooding so that's why we're recording tonight but nevertheless we're here and as we said uh passing in our best wishes and to everybody and we hope everyone's doing well and staying safe in these times but let's get stuck straight into it set of six this week for the fifth and last NRL podcast and tackle one brock is the matt burton saga honestly I'm, I'm sick of hearing about it that's pretty much the only way i can sum it up i don't know how many times it could be said reiterated worded that 
the whole situation and the Bulldogs crying poor and it's hypocritical that you let players go and this, that and the other. It's not rocket science. Clubs, players either agitate to get out or push people out of the club when it suits. We know it's a two-way street. Some say the clubs obviously get a bit more pull in the situation, but a player doesn't have to go if a player doesn't have to go and vice versa. In this situation for the Bulldogs, I don't see why they're really agitating because even Burton coming into that team right now to me doesn't make a great effect on their results. I think he's better off staying where he's right now at Penrith and he's got a contract with Penrith who are in a premiership window. Have him under contract for one more year and what better example of why you wouldn't let him go than this week with Nathan Cleary missing the grand final rematch with concussion? Yeah, it's been a timely week, hasn't it? Um, it's, it's just irresponsible for the Panthers to let him walk. You know, it'd be irresponsible for their premiership chances. It's simple as that. The, the Bulldogs have got uh, little chance of, of winning the competition. Uh, you know, their, their biggest aspiration would be to challenge for a finals position. Uh, and, I, and I think the fact that he's playing New South Wales Cups, it's irrelevant. It's, it's completely irrelevant. He's got Nathan Cleary, who's an origin half, and Jerome Luai, who's in career best form, and who was picked in the New South Wales squad. So he's not, he's not behind mugs. Not as though it's a 50-50 call, you know, for him to be playing New South Wales Cup. He's, he's playing New South Wales Cup because he's playing in a squad that has just lost a grand final, went through a season and only lost two games, and who we expect to be top four and challenging for the premiership again this year. Right? You know, we were we played him on the weekend at, at Mounties in New South Wales Cup, and he, he's clearly a, a, like a class above. Um, you know, he had two or three chances in the game, took all of them, uh, but you know, I, I didn't think he dominated that game. Like the conditions were, were were poor, but I certainly didn't think he dominated the game against us on the weekend. Uh, so to say that he's you know a slam dunk superstar right now, I, I think is a little bit premature. Let's let's let him have a full season in first grade. Um, and you know my thoughts around this. I think halves, particularly young halves, need to have two or three years in, in first grade to really, really find their feet. Like, And is a perfect example of that now. Like, It's his third season now, and he actually he looks comfortable in the NRL. So the other, the other side of this, which I don't think has been addressed to the extent that it probably should be, is that how is it, how is it good for Matt Burton to walk out of Penrith and go and play with the Bulldogs after having... No pre-season with the Bulldogs, having no prior relationship with any of the Bulldogs players, having no knowledge of how they play, the players that he's going to be playing with, and just plug him in and expect him to change their fortunes. I think it's it's actually a good thing. And, and Ivan sort of alluded to that. He said, you know, the Bulldogs might thank us this time next year for actually holding on to him. Mm. Uh, I, I just don't think it's it's smart. Either way, like I get why the Bulldogs are desperate for success, they're desperate, desperate to turn things around, and I understand that. But if they wanted to agitate for a release, they should have negotiated that as a part of his contract last year. Not not just assume that well, if we sign him a year in advance, the Penrith are going to let him go, because they assumed, and they're, and and now they they've got egg on their face. As simple as that. And I don't think Penrith should release him. I think it's best for Burton to stay. And, you know, the Bulldogs are the losers in this, but the, the terms of the contract don't start until next year. 
So move on. Plain and simple, they had one other opportunity afterwards for the assumption, and that was a player swap. And Penrith did ask for somebody, and they said no. So at the same time, yeah, but it's also like we've been over this. It's not, it's not like you can just trade him like in our in the NFL or the NBA. The player who's going the other way has to agree to it. I get that. The problem, my whole point is the salaries all have to be agreed to, and the terms have to be agreed to. Yeah. Like, it's it's not it's not as simple as it sounds. Like oh, I know it's not. Player swap. But my point is, they didn't even want to do that. Like you, you want, you want, you want, but it's not your right. You have to wait the twelve months if you want it but now. If you, if you line up the rosters, you can understand why as well. Mm. But also, like you said, from a development perspective, if I'm Matt Burton in that situation, I know I want to probably play first grade right now. But where he is is a much better situation. He will get I'll the t- play. I tell you, what, I would, I would take the palm if I'm Penrith, and they said to me, you know, in a month or two's time, or you know, two or three months' time. And Penrith are really short of a front row. I'd, I'd take the, the um, what's his name? What's his Luke name? Thompson. You, Luke Thompson. I'd take him in a heartbeat if I was Penrith. They said we, we'll, we'll do that spot, but I, I can't imagine the Bulldogs going to be open to that. No, well, and on top of that, they you just talked about money and terms. They're not going to have the salary cap space for what the Bulldogs paid Luke Thompson. So I highly doubt he's going to swap clubs and take a massive pay cut. Yeah, but, but that's I'm, what I'm saying is if you're saying like for like then, you know, I, I'd sort of go, OK, but there you go. That's, and that's the reason why these player swaps aren't as simple as what people make them out to be, because you've got a lot of other things that you need to take into consideration. No, but my point is they didn't even want to come to the table. That's the point I'm making. Like, the Tigers-Panthers situation to get Laurie was a two-way street. They had replacements for him, but at the same time, they also yeah, looked and thought... Salary, similar position. Yeah, but they also looked and thought, we're a little light in the backs. You're not using Momorowski. We don't mind him. Give yeah, him makes him. sense. We do yeah, that. That's, makes sense. But the dogs didn't even want to come to the table, so it's like, well. I think the only the only thing I would say is it's probably a good, it's a good example of where Penrith could say, okay, okay, doggies, you, you can we'll loan him out to you for the year, uh, on the proviso that if one of our halves gets injured, he yep, comes back. He comes back. Yeah, and you know that, that happens a lot in the Super League, and I think it's it's a real strength of the Super League, and uh, you know we did it last year during COVID, and I thought it worked well, and. I, I really do think it's something that the NRL should look at. But, well, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's something that we absolutely have to have, but I do think it, it would be a good thing for, to, to, in two respects. A, it, it allows a club who has that player to then give him exposure that he may not have got playing New South Wales Cup, but it also allows a team that has the loaned player come to them to strengthen their side as well. So. Well, you've basically just addressed tackle two which we're going to move on to which is the loan system it obviously happened last year it's only been used for the Warriors set up last year and the situation they had there but on the basis of what you just said and well, talking it about it wasn't just the Warriors though was it it was available to everyone I think it was only for the Warriors I thought all oh, the loan moves only happened for the Warriors and Melbourne obviously got that initial one done with Harry Grant but that took months for the NRL to rubber stamp that for some reason but that right there proves the point of what you're saying it's beneficial both ways some clubs obviously don't have the depth someone available in that position or, you know, the ability to get somebody at the time. So for the Tigers, they end up getting a quality player to fill in a hole that was really, really needed in their side. And, and look, it it it'd advantage a club like the Panthers. Yeah, because... And like the Broncos. And, he's you know, in clubs that are the strong development clubs. It would allow them to then, you know, those guys that are agitating to play or agitating to... Plus you get you a know, look. ...get big money elsewhere before they even bloody play the game, some of them. Mm, but you also get a look. Go, and, and as an NRL club, you go, perfect, go there, play. Because, I mean, 
it's twofold. Well, you can go and play, so we're meeting that need for you, but we're also able to have a look at you and decide whether you are a future first grader for our club. And we can make it make a decision around whether we do want to actually well, give you big money. We've already got two examples straight away. Pius, the former sale... Thomas Suley was loaned out by the Roosters to the Warriors because he was on the fringe of their very stacked forward pack. They've let him go to the Dragons. So I'm not saying they didn't think he was a quality player, but they're obviously no, happy they enough. Look, they're happy enough with what they had and the situation to the point where they got to look at him over there. They, when he come off contract, they thought, okay, there's yeah. uh, no big deal to push for him. But then on the flip side, you've got Melbourne in this situation right now where Harry Grant goes to a much worse position, dominates is leading the Daly M at some stage with a lack of talent around him, then plays for Queensland. So for Melbourne, it's twofold. Not only do they win the comp when they had a very, very good side, they got to have a look at one of their potential future hookers who, you know, now, it pretty much to me, seems like they've made up their mind between him and Brandon Smith. And watching Brandon Smith the last two weeks again, um, I'm still of the foregone conclusion that I still think his best position's 13. I think hooker, um, he doesn't have enough in his skill set to play there. Yeah, or, or for time. Melbourne, 14. Yeah, and, and for Melbourne, and not saying in the NRL, but when I look at what Harry Grant has, he ticks a lot more boxes to what he plays at nine than what Smith does. I think Smith as a 13 is just so much more impactful. So yeah, he well, wants... he's a 14. He's a guy who can throw on at 13, throw on at nine, just have on your bench to sort mm. of and I, I, plug, I, in plug in. And look, I understand. I understand his position too. That he doesn't want to play there, and, that, and that's okay. Yep, and he also thinks it's going to be better for his career long term, um, and he wants to play nine for New Zealand. I still don't really see him being challenged for the nine from New Zealand, whether he's playing thirteen, whether it was Maguire or somebody else coaching there. I think the style. Yeah, I, I think of, I think that to use that as a as a reason why you should be playing starting at nine for Melbourne is is irrelevant because Harry Grant's playing nine for Queensland, so. You know, and the competition for hooking spots at Origin is stronger, I think, for yeah, the New Zealand. position for New Zealand. And like I said, the whole skill set of what Harry Grant brings and the way that Melbourne want to play and what he can offer compared to what you get out of Brandon Smith, Harry Grant suits what they want to do much more. Brandon Smith yeah. may be someone else's option, which I'm sure will happen, and someone will take him, and there's not enough hookers in NRL. We've seen that, but I just think the loan system, as you've just talked about, is beneficial both ways. If you've got... Young talent, you can farm them out earlier, develop them quicker, get a better scope of what you want to do for future planning as far as your salary cap is concerned. And if you're one of these teams that has a hole, needs a bit of help, gets injuries, you put yourself in a position to be able to plug up holes temporarily or float yourself for 12 months. And at the same time, you might end up forging a relationship with a player that a club's 50-50 on and end up taking a player off someone's hands. So I think yeah. it's a two-fold system. But, uh, tackle three, you got yourself on... Uh, NRL 360 with the 18th man concussion sub, and I'm a little bit disappointed with Kenny's answer. Yeah, I thought he was a bit snappy and a bit short uh, about it. And kind of went off, and I, I, I don't really say this very often about him, but a little uneducated in his answer. Clearly, he doesn't know how the rule works in Harold Matthews, SG Ball, Flag, and New South Wales Cup, that there's no way to expose it, and everyone's been comparing it to the AFL rule. It doesn't work that way. So, for anyone that doesn't know how it works, you have a concussion sub, which is already difficult enough as it is because what position do you pick? Are you picking a middle cover? Are you picking a utility? Are you carrying an outside back? It all depends, obviously, what you've got in your side and your bench makeup as is. And if someone does get a head knock in any of those grades, there's a stand-down period. Was it 10 days that we had? Uh, 
in New South Wales Cup at the moment, it's 14 days. Yeah, so you automatically miss the next game. So there's no, absolutely no benefit. Well, you, miss, you miss two. Yeah, there's no benefit. And so I think... we, we were sort of saying, it's, it, you know, we discussed in the pre-season when the, the rule came out that, you know, by putting it at 14 days, it essentially makes it 21 days. Mm. I think... It, it rules you out. Unless you play, you know, for example, a Friday and then you play on a Saturday or a Sunday, which rarely happens in New South Wales Cup, usually a Saturday or a Sunday, uh, or in Ron Massey Cup, usually a Saturday or a Sunday. And, yeah, most of the time you you usually just play on the same day. But most of the Massey games are Saturdays. Most of the Cup games are actually Saturdays as well. So yeah. it, it means that, you know, if, if in round one you, you get you fail a HIA and that 18th man is activated... That essentially you will then be out until round four if you're around three matches also on a Saturday. Mm. And I think maybe the protocol might end up being different because we're seeing blokes in the NRL. Like Jackson Paulo got a concussion the other week. New South Wales Cup was cleared to play this week, got another concussion. Now he's not playing. But we're kind of seeing... Yeah, I was a bit frustrated with his answer as well. But the, the point that... you know there'll, there'll, be, there'll probably be a lot of people listening as well saying, well, they'll, they'll exploit it. They'll, they'll you can't exploit it. They'll do that and... You know, it's, I, I, I also feel like people think that the 18th man is some sort of game-changing superstar player. It's not. Like, if you're picking your best 17, you, yeah. that not, player's going to be in your best 17. He's you're not, you're be not hiding somebody. <laughs> and you, you, don't, you don't then get to say, oh, hang on, I've got four or five blokes here, I'm going to activate him. Like you said before, it could be a front row, it could be a middle, it could be a half, it could be a, a fullback. Yeah, and he could my, he could be pointless. It, my read on it um, at cup level is is that more more often than not, it's a it's sort of a it's like a back rower who could cover center and lock because you tend to get your injuries to your team middles or your edges, and you know that that, that sort of player covers those areas and gives you that versatility. It also depends on who's on your bench. If you've got a, if you've got someone on your bench that can cover nine and a half and you've got someone on your bench who can cover edge back row, then you might go, well, you know, I might have a half or I might, I might have a full back or I might have a front row. Or you, you might just say, I'm just going to pick my 18th best player. Uh, I, I just don't... I, I really didn't understand his response. He was sort of a little bit cranky about it and I, I sort of thought, well... But my point being, he brought up... Yeah, Yeah, which is the point. And he... never, never once in a game have I thought, oh, fuck, I need to activate my 18th man. So no. I'm going to go down with a HIA. But my I, point... I just... I, yeah, I think it's it's really stupid. I think people are overthinking it. No, it was an uneducated I guess. To, to say that it would be exploited, um, it doesn't it doesn't give you an extra interchange. It just means that if someone goes off... You can sit him on the bench. You can, you can put him on your bench and you're not disadvantaged. Hmm. You, you do still... You get your free interchange if somebody's put on report. Yeah, but not if he's concussed. You're going to get that anyway, irrespective of whether the 18th man is there or not. You're going to get the extra interchange. Hmm. But not if he's concussed. We, but, we... but what, what people also don't understand is you get, you get the free interchange to come off. But if you play then 
fails their HIA, it costs you an air change. Mm, which is what I was just saying. After 15 minutes, we had it happen the other year. We had a late concussion. The player ran out of his 15 minutes, failed, and our subs were gone because we had another injury. We had to substitute somebody off. We played the last three minutes with 12. Yeah. They don't reward you for it. And again, my frustration with his answer is I'm like, well, you know, think you'd be across the rules of all the grades. And he jumped to the AFL example. He obviously doesn't know the rules with every single other grade that's implemented all the way up to New South Wales Cup now where you can't... Yeah, the, the long and the short of it, I, I emailed them today. I haven't heard back, but sent, there, sent the rule and said, like, this, this is the rule. Yeah, there's, there's no I'm benefit. Out. If yeah. it's a halfback... I, if... I, don't, I don't care. I, I... No, it's not that. That's I'm not the point. Honest, I think 360 for me this year has been a little, little disappointing and I'm finding it difficult to watch because I think there's, it's becoming a little bit more agenda-driven than, than what it was you know, in previous years, so um, I, I am, I'm, sh- I'm still watching it, but I'm, I'm struggling to watch it. Mm. But the whole point of, like I said, know the basis of what's going on, and you brought it from the perspective of, like you said, it's in all those other grades. If you lose James Tedesco or a halfback goes down, there's no point for the you to pull that person. It's like, yeah, I'm getting my 18th yeah. man. Tedesco's going off, I'm getting my 18th man. And then he's ruled out because there's a stand-down period. And as concussion gets more serious, that's the whole point of that rule, as we said, they brought in for We help. really fucking exploited that one, boys. Yeah. That, hey. That's my whole point. If they bring it in the NRL, it'd have to have the same protocols around exploit, it. I think it, he said it would be exploited and they'll, they'll fake it. But this is, again... Just like the answer with everything, everything's exploited. Coaches want to like everyone's trying to find an advantage, sure, but that's airtight. There's no advantage there. But I've never, I've never actually, I've never seen it exploited. I've never seen. No, it can't be exploited. And we had it happen three times. I think the first year I dealt with it in SG Ball, and it only worked out for us once, where we lost a hooker and we picked the lock hooker on the bench. Yeah. And we activated him straight away. But as you said before, the reason he wasn't playing and we had an 80 minute hooker. In the other two games, I didn't actually use that player. No, we didn't. But in that situation, the whole reason that hooker wasn't in our team in the first place or on the bench to replace the starting hooker was because he wasn't good enough. There was no advantage. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, move on from that one. Uh, tackle four. Bit of inconsistency over the weekend and a couple of incidents that had people. Up in arms. Obviously, the Kafusi incident had a lot of people angry, intentional, unintentional arguments about the action, trying to hurt him, slam his head, was the the acceleration of the elbow, and then the fact he wasn't binned and or sent off, and now he's been suspended. Some think he should have been suspended for longer. Then you've got the Dallin incident where he's hit Nathan in the head but then has been put in the sin bin. And then the incident where people are saying that Sean Kepi getting Reynolds late and his head bounces off the ground, got passed by by the match official the bunker, and then the match review committee. So a bit of frustration from a lot of people in inconsistencies over the weekend as far as decisions, intent, suspension, and sin binnings within the game. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the fans' frustration. I was just as, as frustrated. I was uh, shocked that Kafusi didn't get sin bin on Thursday night, uh, particularly when you take into consideration the Ramian incident from round one, which I thought was fair enough for a sin binning as well. I just think if we if we go now, if you get put on report for foul play, I think you should just go for 10. There's got to be some sort of advantage to the team that you're playing at that point in time. Uh, there's got to be some sort of deterrent for foul play. Um, and if it's worthy to go and report, then it's of a serious enough nature to have stopped the game 
watch replays, etc., etc. Uh, and it'd probably put the bunker in into a position where they've got to have a look at a replay or two and go, okay, is that worthy of a charge? Is it not? What's the seriousness of it? Um, and, and probably try and get a measure on intent. Uh, I don't. I don't think Kafusi's intent was to hit him with his elbow, but he did. Uh, I think he was trying to pass over Madison and to, to, to get a grip on the, the opposite side of his body or the long side of his body. But the fact of the matter is he, he hit him with his elbow and then he sort of slammed down on him and the contact with his head on the ground has, has sort of caused um, the concussion. So whatever way people want to uh, break it down in terms of whether it was intentional or not, the fact of the matter is his elbow made contact with his head. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was probably a three to four week um, sort of severity of it, but I, I don't know what his record's like. I don't, I don't know whether you'd obviously then get a, a downgrade for an early plea, so whether it went from four to, four to two with the early plea and a good record or whether it went from uh, three to two because of the early play. I'm not too sure. Three to two. Of the charge. It went from three to two. Okay. From a grade two. Um, and he, he wouldn't have had prize. Like if he had prize and loading and etc., he probably would have got three to four. So, but, but I, again, I don't know his his record. I I don't think Kafusi's a dirty player. Like I've never really watched Kafusi and thought, like fuck, you're dirty and, and you, you get away with a lot of things. The, the Melbourne narrative was obviously wound out, um, which I think is a bit is a bit boring uh, because you know you, you highlighted then another three or four foul play incidents in other games. So uh, I didn't think it was a re- it was it was anything to do with wrestling or anything like that. Like fucking James Hooper, it's a jujitsu. Yeah, well, unfortunately, hoops. I don't think you quite understand what jujitsu is because you don't actually look, I, strike. I don't either. I've never, I've never been in a jujitsu class. Yeah, you don't I, strike. I wouldn't know what a jujitsu move is, but it's grappling. It's not yeah, striking. I, I, I know, I know that that wasn't jujitsu. No, it was a moronic comment to make, and as usual. Uh, but I think if you're going to make a comment like that, you, you need to have evidence. You need to say, okay, so here's here is the jujitsu move that I'm referring to. Here is the example of the tackle. And then people go, okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see the correlation in that movement. And the, the way that he explained it was, just, again, it was just poo-pooing Melbourne. Standard, like you said, standard thing where certain yeah, people uh, drive agendas. But I think Benji yeah, Marshall... And, and, I, and I, would, I would look at it, and I'd, I'd come down on Melbourne if, if he could prove that point. Like, if he could show that it was a legal wrestling move or a grapple or a jiu-jitsu or whatever, and he had an example of it, and it correlated with what Kafusi did then I think there'd be a lot more credit and relevance and um, integrity in his comments. Mm. But for, for the last four or five, six, seven, however long he's just been on this I Hate Melbourne bandwagon... Oh, mate, Melbourne, the Cameron's... He's never, ever, ever produced a file or footage or a correlation between what Melbourne do and specific wrestle or jiu-jitsu moves. Yeah. And just... until someone can do that... And I'd be, I'd, have, I'd be happy to, to view it. All they ever bring Everyone up is... say they wrestle and they do this and they do that. No, no one can... No one's ever really shown actual footage. Like, you can show footage of, of the tackles, but the way that people tackle and wrestle are all fairly similar. But no one's been able to show me this is the wrestling move 
in, in a wrestling context and then link it to rugby league. Mate, it's all the same. They all the only example they ever use is they use John Donahue as a respected practitioner and it's all exactly and I was about to say like for fuck's sake West Tigers we took the 16s and 18s for a jiu-jitsu session on a rainy weekend because everyone uses it I said it a million times here that wasn't wasn't our decision no but the club and I said it when I was at Canberra one of the big things they spruik when I went to sign with Canberra after a few interviews is they'd put an indoor turfed area where they were going to work on our tackle tech defence and wrestling without having to be out in the snow so what I I, I will say actually is Mounties don't have a wrestling coach hmm we don't have a wrestling coach. We've got Lonnie Vinicessi who does all the um, defensive stuff. No no wrestling coach. So it's the first club that I've, I've been to. Obviously, it's NRL linked. It's not actually an NRL club, but no wrestling coach. So yeah. there you go. Well, like I said, I, I agree. And not, again, everyone knows I'm a Melbourne supporter. Felice should have copped a suspension, but I think I more agree with what Benji Marshall said. Besides the elbow point, it, there was intent there to hurt and we talked about well the argument as an ex-player is well you get taught like to go in to hurt not hurt as in maim somebody but when you defend you want to hurt somebody that's sort of your job you're trying to you know win a ruck or dominate a play like you're not trying to bust somebody up but the intent with the elbow it didn't look great I didn't think he was looking at him I think like you said passing over but he did accelerate but more importantly he bounced his head off the ground and in this day and age when we're talking about concussions player welfare and it's a really big issue if you're driving someone's head into the ground like that, it's never going to end up too well for you. The Kepi one, off the ball, I thought the contact was kind of lazy, but the way Reynolds fell, I'm not going to blame Reynolds, but I, I thought he kind of wanted to milk the contact a little bit, and he's ended up bouncing his head off the floor. So yeah. that one, I think, is a bit 50-50. Uh, there's a Lesniak one, was cut and dry. He's copped him in the chops, he was wobbly, he went off and he went for 10 in the bin. And Similar to the Madison one, they didn't deserve to lose a player as a result of Kafusi's action, so... What should have happened there, minimum, should have been the same thing that happened in the Penrith game. And I, yep. I guess the last frustrating thing for me, talk about referees, did you think Latrell should have been sin-binned? For the DC? I did, yeah, I did. Like, I, I get it, I get the rule, but like, honestly, I, I thought karma come into play. What I, what I would say is why... Why is Latrell trying to Yeah, why is he trying to touch him? I get that. But to me, karma coming to play... If it's not a try-scoring like if it's not a dangerous... Uh, I didn't think it was play, a try-scoring. Why, why is he doing Look, um, DC dived. Yeah, and karma got him when he... And may, maybe, maybe they need to start to look at saying that <clears throat> if you dive or if you milk the contact, we're actually, we're actually not going to reward you for that. We mm. want you to play through the play. If there is contact, play through the contact and let us deal with the foul at the end of the play. Because you can you can often solve the issue. Like if Cherry Evans just actually plays the play, he might have got there and scored rather than trying to milk the contact, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like well, if, if, if Latrell holds him back like he did and it was interference and Cherry Evans keeps his feet and doesn't get there and they review it and say, well, that... that Infringement by Latrell caused him to not get there. It's in a try-scoring situation. It's not a penalty try because we couldn't guarantee he would have got there. Latrell, you're off for 10. I think that would be the better way to do it. But that that uh, relies on player integrity and players not diving. And at the moment, the frustrating part in, in this instance and in a lot of instances is that 
were rewarding players for diving. Mm. And I said it before, in the end, I thought Karma come and got him because later on in the game he had a ruck where he got tackled. He tangled himself up. He crawled over the player. He played it hard back into him, fell over, and when the penalty went the opposite way, he absolutely spat the dummy. And I thought, well, yeah. what you did was just fucking embarrassing. Like, honestly, embarrassing. And it should be penalised more often. Yeah. And there's no benefit to your team. Just get up and fucking play the ball. And if the contact's genuine, you'll get a penalty. But, yeah. again, I understand where you're coming from. He shouldn't have touched him. But I just thought, in the position where it was, it's a big punishment. It's a real big punishment. But the, the milking and the diving was just... Honestly, it was terrible. Not a good look at all. But <sighs> tackle five, the wet weather footy, um, just absolutely torrential for a few of the games. But I thought what was more amazing, you told me to watch that Melbourne game because I obviously ended up at work with all the wet weather that we had and I did end up getting to watch it. The quality of that game in the wet weather and the quality and the ball control in some of the games and the footy that was played considering the conditions, I thought was outstanding. Absolutely, yeah. Um... And I don't think the uh, the footage on TV did the conditions justice either. No. Uh, particularly, like I was at Bankwest on Saturday and coming home and watching the replay and having a look at the footage and actually being there, um, it looked, you couldn't really tell at times whether it was raining or not on, on TV, but being at the ground... Um, like the rain was just horrendous consistent and the field Bankwest is as good a deck as you're going to get uh, that, that, that field was essentially underwater um, and th- Thursday night we actually trained uh, from 6 to about 7.30 at, at Mounties which is about oh, I don't know 15 kilometres from Bankwest and mate we, we trained underwater the field was underwater and we we were doing some rolling rock stuff, um, some opposed stuff. And look, there was there was a drop ball, probably every three or four sets. And for those two teams to come off and be both have completed what was it over over eighty percent? Close to ninety. It's like that's ridiculous. Mm. And the speed and, and the style of football. Yeah, I, I yeah. Like I'm saying, this is New South Wales Cup training. You're talking about an NRL game between two potential top four teams so uh, but what I'm just trying to highlight like the conditions were horrendous it's as wet as I've ever been coming off a training paddock um, and I, I was going to head across to my plan was to head across to the Power Melbourne game from training uh, and mate I was that wet like I had to, I had to strip off I, I pulled up in the driveway here in the undies that's how drenched I was like everything was drenched mm. uh, and then like Saturday again, turning up and, and seeing the ground and but like that's just a state of state of the art facility. Like for, for for it to even be playable is is unbelievable. Uh, and there, you know there are a few parts of the surface that were um, that were underwater. They played the A League there on the Friday night. Like you, you turned up before our game and we sort of walked around the perimeter of the field. You would you wouldn't have known. The, the only thing that was a little bit frustrating on Saturday was that the, the soccer lines are still there and because of how much rain they weren't able to repaint the league line so they were sort of no it was melting yeah it was it was sort of a little bit a little bit confusing but um, th- Thursday night's game I think is, has been the best game of the season so far I, I, I really enjoyed it um, 
it was just a just a high quality game of footy. It was it was great. And credit to both sides to to have been able to complete and, and produce what they did. And it was part of the reason why I didn't go to the game. I thought, well, I'm not, not going to go there and just watch a slop fest. And then you come home and watch that. Like some really really high quality footy. So mm. credit to both sides. And, uh, and, and even in some of the other games, probably not as high quality, but I thought the, the style of football and the way people played with the conditions. Oh, I thought Penrith were outstanding on in the um, wet. They were great, and I thought like that. And as I said, that that the, the weather was just horrendous. Yeah, I, I might actually. I'll post a. I'll post a, um, a, a video up. Actually, I I took some footage from in the tunnel during the, the Penrith game, and it, it just give you give the listeners a different perspective on. How bad the conditions actually were. Mm. Um, but yeah, Penrith are magnificent. I think they they completed really high as well. And the thing for me was the the ability of the Panthers to just get repeat set, repeat set, repeat set in those conditions. It's, it's hard enough in the dry. Uh, and look, I thought the Bulldogs were really really good for the first thirty nine minutes. I think it was four 0 and then they conceded that try right on half time, which hurt. Uh, but then for I think about a 15 minute period into the second half it was only it was only 10 nil so there, there were good signs there and uh, you know I know the weather probably brought the Bulldogs closer to Penrith but I don't think the scoreline uh, reflected how close the game was probably for 75 percent of it but Penrith just handled those conditions perfectly like those can those types of conditions are conducive to upsets because they bring lower teams, closer to the high teams, but yep. it was just Penrith for having none of that. No, nah, and defensively again, outstanding. So, uh, yeah, like yeah. two, two nils in a row, and, you know, people say, oh, they play the Cowboys and play the Dogs, but you can only you can only play who you're going to play. Like, that record's going to go on the line tomorrow night. We'll see how good their defence is tomorrow night when yeah. they're running to Melbourne. Quality game. Looking forward to yeah, that Yeah, 100%. One. But to this point in time, like, Penrith's defence has been unreal. Well, it's like the Roosters, plenty of people are getting their tail up the Roosters, but you could say the same thing. Well, they've only beaten up on yeah. two teams that yeah. are probably going to be outside yeah. the eight. Small sample size, we can only go off what we've seen. Regardless, they're NRL teams and they've copped the hiding from the Chooks, who are missing four or five players still. So, yeah. very impressive. But last tackle, I'm going to give you the option here because I thought there's some subplots from the weekend with a couple of coaches. There's obviously the Kebby situation, Madge McGuire at the Tigers and Todd Payton. So you choose which one. Oh, jeez, I don't know. We'll probably, we'll probably talk about them as we do the reviews anyway. So. Well, tackle six, we've got to pick one of them. So the one that most seemed to frustrate every weekend was Todd Payton. So Todd Payton. Frustrate me? Mm. Yeah, I'd, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think he's making it about himself. You know, the way, and, and again, like, this is part of the whole 360 thing. You listen to to Paul Kent and Benny Iken and they're wrapping the shit out of Todd Payton and how great it is and you know they're wrapping the shit out of Anthony Griffin. He's he's the best coach ever because he got Ben Hunt to play one good game and Andrew McCulloch's the boy of the season. Um, when they beat the Cowboys in a pretty low game, let's let's be fair. So I just the the way that the Cowboys players like hung their heads like I just I don't know whether they're just putting, pushing their chips in far too early like new coach new system they lost the close game I thought they competed with tennis for yeah, probably 50% of that game down here in round one like they, they certainly didn't look horrendous 
And, you know, he comes out and says that his team's scared. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And the, the first week frustrated me as well when he spoke about himself and his career and, and the nouns. You know, sitting there with his head in his hands in front of his players. I, I don't know. Look, I, I think your job as a coach is to be a leader. And when I, when I look at that, I, I don't think that's leadership. And that's just my personal opinion. I think in that situation whether it's to look the players in the eye and, you know, it's going to hang, hang your head in your hands. Go and, go and do that in private. I'm not sure the players need to see that. Well, you'd say the behaviour is more of what you do when you are a player. You've got to convey yourself less like when you played, when you're a coach, and like you said, pick and choose your moments. Yeah, but it's uh, like if I'm sitting in the dressing room, I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? And, like, and I would feel awkward to sit like that in the dressing room ever in front of the player. I don't, that's just me personally. But uh, I, I think we got a little bit of a, an avenue into how he's thinking at the moment last week when he was talking about himself and his job. And like At the moment, it seems like he's feeling as though the squad he's got there aren't going to get great results. So he's automatically in self-protection mode and starting to not look for excuses, but sort of try and palm it and push it back on the on the players a little bit and make it a, a little bit about himself by saying, look, come on guys, you know, this is... Look at how you're making me feel and look how disappointed I am in you. And it, it's not about that. Like, it's it's got to be, particularly at this point in the season, my, your job is to be the chief problem solver. Like, that, that's your job. Your job's to solve problems as a coach and to put the team and prepare the team as best you can. So if you hang your head in your hands and you've got nothing productive to say or do, go and let the players, you know, recover and, and go home. And you get home and start reviewing and start being productive. Well, I've got no problem with him being just showing, letting his players know he's disappointed. I, I've got no problem with that. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to chop him up personally. And I, it's certainly not personal, right? It just... It made me feel uncomfortable watching it. Mm. Uh, and just the way that the Cowboys players, it just seems like now that that vice of pressure and that build-up, you know, if they come out and get rolled by the Titans on the weekend, like, how are they going to be in the sheds after that? Yeah, and you can't do this every week. It's and That's my point. Well, I, I, I kind of... I mean, and then, and then, okay, so if, even if they win this weekend and they lose around after, they're going to be back to, to that state of behaviour, that emotional state. I, I, I just don't understand how, how, he, how he thinks that behaving like that and, and to create that environment is going to be conducive to success would be my point. Mm. Well, I guess only time will tell, but yeah, certainly after two weeks, it's been interesting so far for the Cowboys and... And their new coach, that's for sure. Yeah, but, but I, I want to judge, I, and this is probably more to the point. Like I think someone from the club needs to grab him and say, "Todd, mate, we're gonna we're gonna judge you at the end of next season." Okay, we got you here because we think you're the best coach for this organisation. You're the best coach for this team. Coach the team. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about anything externally. Don't worry about throwing players under the bus. Coach the team. 
and, and have that as your sole focus. Yeah. And I think he just needs to relax a little bit. I, he, he, he reminds me a little bit how Sieb's got. Just in, in just how anxious and, and pent up and concerned and worried and emotional he looks. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know whether, I, don't know, I haven't spoken to Anthony Seabold about it, but you know, I'd, I'd imagine that that'd be part of what he would want to change if he, if he had his time over again. Because it does rub off from the players. Whether the play, it rubs off from the players and they go, look, what the fuck, man? Or the players go, it, it rubs off in that the players start to feel like that and it affects their performance. Yeah, well, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out this weekend up against the Titans, another derby game. Um, so interested to see how they play, how they come out, and then again, like you said, how it reacts if it isn't a great result or it isn't a great performance because you, you can't do this every week. You can't burn the place to the ground every week. You can't throw jabs every week. It's uh, it, it definitely wear thin. So definitely interested to see how that one plays out. But that is the set of six for this week. Before we jump in and do a bit of a quick fire on the reviews because it's a bit later in the week, we have to give a wrap to you-know-who, the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of solar energy. The team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bin electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 20 Today, Jake and the crew, your best option for solar energy. Eel Storm, 16-12, like you said, quality game in the conditions. And uh, I think, again, still very early in the year, so can't go off like a firecracker. But one of the first times in a long time I thought Parramatta passed the acid test. A lot of the last few years, they've made the top four. They've been around the top four. They've started well, but they haven't done well against top four sides. They haven't done well in final series and... In all honesty, I thought Melbourne had it over them for long periods of the game. Thought they teed off them, uh, teed off on them in yardage. They pinned them. They tried to beat them up, and the Eels just responded. They were patient. They saved a bunch of tries. Gutherson came up with a few corkers. Nia Corey hasn't played in the centre since he was at the New Zealand Warriors playing under twenties. He did a really good job. Um, their props: Marnie Moses' second half kicking game. Nathan Brown, Sevo had one of his best games. Like I, I really thought they just absorbed and. Uh, the first half, I think the territory was like 80-20. They literally were buried in their own half by Melbourne, but they just kept turning up. And uh, In those conditions, obviously, the Sevo grab at the end of the game was an awesome way for the game to finish. But in general, just a really great game of football. Great game of footy. High completion rates. Shit weather. Look, Gutherson was man of the match. I can't believe that he didn't get a daily end point. Craziness. Tell you what, there were some bloody good players there. <laughs> Saved at least three tries. I would have given him all six points. He, he saved, I think, four tries by my books. One parameter game. Mate, best part of that game for me was Nia Corey versus Ola. Dear Lord. Yeah, it was good. That yeah, was good. I off on Mitchell it. Moses kicked really well. Second half he uh, did. In this game, and um, Reed Mahoney had a good game. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was a good win for Parramatta. Like, I don't think Melbourne were at their best. I... Certainly don't think Parramatta were at their best either, but nah, and it's just a nice confidence building win in shit conditions at home for Parra. Hundred percent. That's a game that, you know, for the last ten years they would have just coughed that game up. So And like you said, saving tries and absorbing pressure. Generally yeah. any of these big top four games, the Roosters have 
got them at the back end or Melbourne's got them or in finals they've just been blown off the park. You can write as much stuff on your walls and talk about culture all you want and you know we're going to be we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to be selfless and we're going to be disciplined and we're going to do you know all these things that every club wants to have mm. but until you're on the field and you're actually doing it and you're saving tries and you're valuing your defence like forget about what you write on your walls at yeah. your club because most, most teams have got similar stuff written on their walls. Oh. Everyone. It's what, you, what your team does on the field and what what Parramatta did the other night and in particular as a leader, Clint Gutherson, like that, that's good culture. Mm. If they can be consistent with that, then I think there's no doubt they're going to be a top four side. Yeah, like you said. But it, the issue is just that consistency around it. Defence, turning up repeatedly, absorbing pressure, copping it in yardage, being patient, kicking well, all the things that generally... Uh, as everyone said, they've been flat track bullies. When things are good and they can offload and dominate, they run away with it. But when it turns into a dogfight and you've yeah. got to get in the grind for 80 minutes, they've welted. And look, so. it was a significant improvement on the week before. They were terrible. Oh, they were dre- absolutely poles apart. Oh, again, still won. Yeah. More importantly, but yeah. They could, they could easily be on too. Easily be on too. Mm. On the Melbourne side of things, again, no need to hit the panic button or put a line through Melbourne. You've still got Harry Grant to come back. You've still got Dale Finucane, who's not playing. Um, they've obviously got Branko Lee, who will become available as well. And yeah, give them an option. Yeah, game away from home off on a kick, essentially. Mm. And uh, a good side. I thought on the opposite side for them, the kicking game needs to be better. There was a lot of just one-up bombs yeah. and, and pin them. I thought Moses at least tried to find space or put them in awkward positions. Melbourne, even though I thought they had the better of the territory and field position, it was just too many straight up and down kicks and let's go again. But um, I thought Pappenhausen again... That might be a first little sign of the Cameron Smith effect. Like, if you've got Smith in your side, you'd probably win that game. Said it last week. The the kicking is the one thing that has been highlighted before the season and it was highlighted last week, but it's it's a huge factor not having him there, I think, for the kicking game in general. It needs to improve. I think Harry... Didn't really kick last year at West. I don't know if he's done work with Cameron before he left or at his time at the Tigers, but hopefully he's got something to bring to the table because we need more there. But I, I thought Pappenhausen was great again. Nelson and Welch, like Christian Welch's double efforts and triple efforts, and he's like just he's just relentless from Marco. He's relentless at line speed. He's relentless with kick pressure. And I tell you what, he whacks. He whacks. He's, playing, he, he's improved so oh. much every year. And like I said, he improved again on last year. Nelson before that sternum, he carried very well. Um, Tui off the bench I thought was solid and, and Olam obviously had a cracker game and a good battle with Nia Corey. But yeah, I thought a little more out of our halves they ran, but you definitely like you're saying, seeing the hole without Smith and without Grant probably being that craftier player. Like Brandon Smith to me in that game, he had a few good runs and scoots, but other than that, off the back of the quick play of the balls, he's not creating a whole lot around the ruck that you would get out of Cameron. He's not controlling the game. He doesn't bring that kick, and why Harry, again, doesn't tick all those boxes just yet. I think he brings a little more craftiness around the ruck than what you get from Brandon. And to me, Brandon's biggest impact was the last 10 minutes we needed a try. He got a couple of quick play the balls, one of them which led to, um, you know, a decent roll-on. So when I, when I watched him take those few carries at the back end as a third, and I just sat myself again and thought, I wish, I really wish that's what he wanted to play and he would stay, but um, obviously someone's going to pay him to be a nine, and he will be a good nine for somebody. But I just, it's just not going to be for the Melbourne Storm. Great win for Parramatta. Uh, see if they can back it up this week against the Sharks. That's always an ugly game. And uh, if you don't turn up against Cronulla, you get your pants pulled down. So, Knights, Warriors, 2016. I think I can sum this one up pretty easily. I thought 
both teams are pretty solid. Again, completion rates are ridiculous, both up around 90%. But the New Zealand Warriors just didn't take advantage inside 20. They had 10 extra sets. They had a lot more football inside 20. They had back-to-back sets. They you know, tried to wear them down and build some pressure. But I think when all your key position players are runners and you don't have someone to organise or set something up, it's always going to be a struggle to get points. And I didn't think it was any more evident than right there. And I've got to give a huge rap to Newcastle for their goal line D. They were outstanding as well. They worked hard from the inside. They released well. They got extra numbers out to help out and they dragged him over the sideline a few times. But Wade Egan is naturally a runner and he's still developing. Chanel Tavita-Harris, to me, great defender. Kicks okay, but I don't think he's much of an organiser. Nick Arima, again, runner. And Rogers a runner. Like they, they don't have that player in their spine, I think, to take control and organise. And inside the twenties, that's the difference. And the flip side to a quality nine, Jaden Braley, just, just, I struggle to think where they could have been last year, despite all the injuries. If Jaden Braley was to be in that Newcastle side, I, I really think they may have had a chance to make a top four last year. Yeah, I agree. He's were, um, he's really good. He's really good. Yeah, he's a um, certainly a a top tier nine, definitely a top eight nine at least. Um, but you know, I thought the Warriors were they got a lot closer. Than I, th- I thought they they get in this game. Um, they probably should have won it in the end. But like you said, they had more chances. But Newcastle just looked like they had more pop. More, more players on the field that could uh... Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I just guess produce points. Uh, and, and they just absorbed that extra possession that the um, the Warriors had and yes, it was an ugly sort of 50-50 game wasn't it um, yeah but yeah Newcastle I, Newcastle are really um, a bit of an unknown aren't they because last year they started so strongly and then just as the season went on they just got chopped away with a little tomahawk a player here a player there a player here yeah. a player there and then before you know it you know they're, they're going and having to sign players from other teams in key positions just to sort of keep the wheels turning and they still managed to play finals and they, they punched South in the nose at the start of that final uh, pretty much with, with you know most of their key players out so if they can all stay on the field we'll, we'll get to have a look at how good this Newcastle Knights roster is and you know how we can view them into the future like are they are they going to be that team that He's going to force their way into the top four, or are they just that middle of the rung side at the moment that's going to, you know, need to, I guess, recruit maybe a little bit better or bring some of their good young juniors through? But 
uh, based on the first two weeks, I think they're certainly a, one of those top six sides, aren't they? Mm, I, I think they're showing, you know, that junior development that was rebuilt uh, when they did the knockdown rebuild with Brown there and the recruitment coming through. You've obviously seen Toa, we're seeing best. They got Watson over, and, and again, the, the last parting gift, and I think they'll be most happy with, was that the last signing he made was Braylian. I didn't think Braley's skill set was on show or he had that sort of ability when he was at the Sharks, but now that he's at Newcastle and he's got that job and it's his job, unlike the pressure of his brother and other people that uh, the Cronulla set up and obviously the halves that he was playing I can't with. Believe, I can't believe Cronulla think the other kid's better than him. I think they just looked again at coming through the grades the way he attacked as compared to Jaden, and I, I think Jaden now... But, but that's fool's gold. It's not at the NRL level. Exactly. You be able to project to what is going to transfer to the NRL. But, but I also think, similar to we know as coaches, like the opportunity to do what you can do with your talent, I think they more looked at him as a solid defender and good service, whereas at Newcastle, you've seen those subtleties... His, brother. his he, brother's fast Hmm. You've seen those subtleties in his game. He manipulates the ruck well. I'm, he's... Not, saying he's, I'm not saying his brother's not a first grader. No, Blake, Blake's first grader. He's a first grader. But I, I think Jaden... I'd rather Jaden. I think Jaden was overlooked for his attacking side because maybe... Yeah, I was surprised when they, they selected... They've looked at Blake's running, but I think they've undersold Blake, quality service, been able to play with width and just, just little subtleties. I also think he's... Jaden's got a better temperament. In my opinion. Um, and his game suited to more styles of games than what Blake's is. Like, Blake is very much, he wants to get out, he wants to play fast, he wants to roll. But in, in a real Dow physical middle game, mm. you know, I'd, I'd much prefer Jaden. You, you need more subtlety and more manipulation to your game. Mm. And I think Jaden, like you said, it probably suits that style better. And he's adding to his game. But the service he's giving... And to think, again, they've got Ponga and Green to potentially come back in. They've had guys fill in different spots with injuries. Hunt and Best on that left edge. Best was incredible on the weekend. A couple of those passes and getting him some early football. Their forward pack. Um, Frizzell's fitted in. I think that's kind of rejuvenated him. Barnett. I've always thought Barnett was a guy that could play rep football. We've obviously always been loaded in that position, but he's been playing good. The props. uh, There's a lot of things going well. And like I said, there's guys to come back. So if they stay healthy and they can keep building on what they're doing, I think the biggest thing he would have taken away is the extended periods on their goal line and their defense. They, they cracked in the end, like you said, with all that extra possession, but they found a way to get the job done and they've got troops coming back. Yeah. Uh, for the Warriors, Shaq was good again. Tohu was always... Tavita Harris defensively, outstanding, and unfortunately he's going to be out for 12 weeks now. That's a big blow for them. Uh, they've already lost Aitken... So it it's, hasn't been a great start health-wise, but um, I, I thought they were okay. They were solid again, but I just worry, like we said before, everyone in that spine to me is a runner, and you're not going to be able to take advantage inside 20 or organise things. There was too many one-outs, too many wasted plays. So I have no doubt they'll probably beat the teams around them or under them. I'm just not sure if they'll sneak into the bottom of the eight or miss out. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Titans-Broncos. Good win for you guys again, 28-16, and it was a tight game to start with, but at the back end of the first half, it just an absolute capitulation by the Broncos. First, for feeder, just too easy. Tessie knew, showing obviously that he hasn't played a whole lot of centre because he was in Milford's back pocket and Milford didn't want to bar over it. The Aaron Clark try from the Don kick was really good football, but the one that capped it all off, the Joel Leaf crash over on half time was disgusting. 
Um, <laughs> it, it didn't get any better from there in the second half. Fafita again just all ends up. Duke move almost like out of Madden. Spins around Milford who didn't want a bar of him. Um, I, I think the only thing that would be disappointing, possibly you would agree, and I'm sure Holbrook would have, is the way the game finished. Instead of going on with it and really sticking the boot in, they conceded a couple of soft tries. But um, for, for, Bru- for Brisbane... Absolutely livid about it as well. Mm, for, for Brisbane... He's got into his press conference and he, he sort of hinted that he'd settle down a little bit. So I was hot under the collar as well watching the last 20 minutes. I wasn't, wasn't impressed. No, for Brisbane, I'm just more bothered again that one week after showing a whole heap of effort and fight and consistency for the majority of the game and then losing three players and hanging in there, it only took 20, 25 minutes and as soon as a try kind of came after that tough period, they just capitulated. It's, yeah, they, they folded up on like a deck chair, didn't they? Yeah, really concerning. And again, there's, there's younger guys, there's guys in positions. News firstly been a fullback the whole way through, so defending at centre... Really hard spot to defend. Doesn't help when Milford's inside. And I know a few people said, why is Milford isolated like that? Well, fuck, every half has been isolated by a back row at some point in their career. I'm telling you right now, if that was Tommy Dearden, Tommy Dearden may have not have stopped him, but I damn tell you, he would have let his fucking shoulder end up on David Fafita's quad trying. Yeah. But Milford... Yeah, but there was a few times there, and you should have come in. And he should have. Like well. Again, yeah. I, I, he's been thrown in the deep end. He doesn't really play there. They're patching that up while Staggs isn't playing, but... The defence all around, even Riki, he's still wet behind the ears. I really, really like him as a player. Luckily for them, he just re-signed, but he got shown up a few times. But the middle defence for the Joel Leaf trial was just... It was horrendous. Um, and they got one or two back at the back end of the game, but there's some real worries that after one week, that's crept in. There's plenty of talk again. Everyone's linked to their players. Uh, there's just still a lot of noise around Brisbane. And then the old boys thing, like Gordon Taylor saying, oh, they cancelled the race. They're like, fuck. Forget the race day and, and talk like you guys aren't fixing the problem. <laughs> Having a couple of beers and patting them on the back and telling them how it used to be is not fixing same, the problem. Same old, you know. They got all they wanted to do was get Kevy. Now you got Kevy, so fucking deal with it. Yeah, it's a big like we said. It's a bigger problem than Kevy. He got elected. Yeah, he, he got elected. He didn't get selected. He wasn't the best candidate. He's not the best coach. He got elected because he was the man to save the Broncos. Okay, he, he knows the club, he knows the culture, he can, he can settle the old boys down. Well, it's taken fucking two rounds and it's all blown up again. Mm, and the same deal. It's, it's a handful of old boys. Corey Parker, I agree with a lot of stuff he's had to say in the last like, 18 the months. Stuff on, um, the, 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 the Gordon Tallis, if you listen to the whole lot of it, like it's, it's cringeworthy how, how much that they're just completely overlooking what... Um, what, what Anthony Seabold had to go through and, and now it's Paul Kibbe. Last year it was fucking fixed Seabold. They should be going better and, well, you know, it's your fault and you're not involved in us and, you know, it was all this stuff and then now it's Paul Kibbe. And the same well, thing... Kibbe took the job knowing that this was the job. Well, what about him he as well? He didn't, need, he didn't need any... He could make the finals with the same roster. He goes, oh, they, they didn't have Boyd or Burr. I'm like, he didn't have any of them. He didn't have Haas and Stags. I'm like, Haas yeah, and Stags. better side without Boyd. Ha, ha, exactly. They wanted to get rid of them last year. But he, and they're going, oh, they, it's not his side. I'm like, well, Seabold didn't sign Bird. He didn't sign Boyd. He didn't sign half those guys either. So all, oh. the, all the same things you were throwing at Seabold last year. They suddenly, wanted to go young. Suddenly they get a pass this year. And from, the media narrative's gone from the best young squad in the NRL to... The two inexperienced. Well, it's a rebuild. 
Yeah. But, and like you said, uh, they've just, uh, I don't know, it's cringeworthy. And again, I'm not going to, we're well, not going to... The, 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 the best thing for Anthony Seabold is that he's not there dealing with his shit this year. No, and he, like I said... He's at the Knights, he'll, he'll rebuild himself, he'll come back um, as an NRL coach and he'll, he'll kill it. But even besides that, just at the end there, he just needed to get out of there because it was never going to end well, but now they've got what they've wanted. And again, it's not a thing about Kev. But, this but is nothing's changed. So no, but that, that should tell you everything. This is there's the no, point. There's no leadership there. There's no. no there's, there's no one really coming out and saying this. This is our direction. No, and even this with, is what we're doing. Even with their recruitment right now, there's no plan there. They've been reactive. As soon as somebody pops up and goes to one of their players, they're reacting. So I've said the last few weeks, Brennan Piakura is getting chased after and offered four hundred thousand and six hundred thousand. All these deals. They've basically been non-active in that discussion, and then now that it was basically on the table that he was going to the Bulldogs, suddenly they've popped up and offered him big money, three-year deal. Stags, they're throwing big money at. They're worried about coats, like. But at the end of the day, they're worried about everything with their key positions. Exactly, you got all the flash and all these bits and pieces, and they re-signed all those forwards, which aren't helping them right now either. But you're still stuck with Milford. You're not playing Dearden. They took Croft from Melbourne. You know, basically because he was from Melbourne. But, you know, nine, one, six, seven, and they just lost. Yeah, and then what, what also didn't fill me with confidence was how Kevin Walters was in his press conference. The, the David Fafita thing was cringeworthy as well. Was he on the field tonight, was he? Oh, he was on the field, was he? I was like, well, are, you, like are you doing embarrassing. the... It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. You're you out, you're, mate, you're out of your depth. Are you doing the coach it's whisperer? You're out of your depth. You're out of your depth in origin. He couldn't handle the pressure of three games a year. Now you've gone into the biggest fishbowl in Australia to the most underachieving club in Australia at the moment, and you were the man to fix it. You gave yourself the title as a man to fix it, and you don't have the ability to fix it. And you're not surrounding yourself with the people who can help you to fix it. Mm. And you don't have the leaders above you to fix it, and you don't have the players there to fix it. And we also talked about They need a plan. They need to come out and say... This is what this is what the future direction of the Broncos is, and you know, is it is it Tom Dearden? Because at the moment, all we hear is Tom Dearden's the future of the Broncos. Yet he's playing fucking Queensland Cup, and he's 18th man this week. Jake Turpin, based on what I've seen, is not you know the future nine of the Broncos. They've let go of Andrew McCullough. They should have kept Andrew McCullough. I think that's the one thing that I was critical about Seabold last year. I, I think. Not, not keeping McCulloch was a mistake. I think this year, Walters not keeping McCulloch was a mistake because they've got no experience in the middle of the field and they've got no leadership. They've got no real senior players in key positions. Milford should be playing reserve grade after his performance last week, but yet he's let him go around again. And this is the thing, like, are you, are you driving standards? Or are you allowing standards? Because at the moment, if, you, if you're selecting him based on what he did last week, he admitted himself in the press conference that he had to save him. So you're you're enabling a standard, a, a shit standard, a poor standard, mm. a low standard. Well, my and biggest saying that's good enough. He my... can play first grade again next week. Tom yeah. Dean was man of the match in the Q Cup. Can't get a run. Well, this thing, again, was more what we said before. If, forget, like, the Seabold or Kevy thing, and it's not all about Kevy. This is highlighting the issue that... There's a bigger problem than the coach at the Broncos, and it needs to be fixed. And it's not going to—it's not going to be fixed it's quick. Like, it's not Kevin's fault, but no, but don't, don't dovetail, don't um, 
come out and project yourself as a saviour. No, but also on the flip side, like we said. And then that, now, now you're saying to the media after two games, oh, I don't have an answer. No. Oh, I've got no answers for you. But, I, I don't have a solution. But on more the point again, they all darted Seabar when Wayne got flicked, which wasn't his fault. Now they're all still... They're, they're even doing it now, saying, well, well, well I, you know, well, we got the wooden spoon last year. And he now made... They start talking about last year. And last they, year wasn't an issue when, when you wanted the job. When we're heading into this year, no. now that shit's hit the fan and you realise, well, actually, you know, I'm not the saviour for this fucking team. Mm. Now you're going to start pointing the finger and start looking in the revision mirror at last year. It's poor. Well, like I said, they're throwing big money around this week and Reese Walsh, who I thought was someone they definitely needed to keep, is now asking for an early release. The Warriors are keen to get him over there, have him spend the year working with two of us, Sheck, and he's only on a development contract at the moment for the Broncos, which means he's not eligible to play until around 16 anyway. So well, I doubt they'll let him go. They've come out similarly and said we want a player in return if we're going well, to... Well, they should. They should just let him go. Like, and this is the thing for Brisbane. You're just going to hang on to people who don't want to be there? Is that good culture? Well, I'm let just... Little, like, who, who are they going to take from the Warriors? Like, who do you want? And, you know, this, this goes back to, you know, you, you sort of talk about their the big, bad Broncos, everyone wants to play for the Broncos. Well, you've got kids coming through your pathways who are just jumping off the ship everywhere. So that, that stigma of, you know, the Broncos, no one wants to leave the Broncos, well, that's dead and buried. Oh, it's well and truly gone. And like I said, the Pyakura contract now, we'll see how that plays out, but it's almost a reaction of what we've lost for Feeder before. We've now well, got Reiki. If they, if they lose him to the Bulldogs, and look, I think the Bulldogs are definitely on the up, right? But I think Brisbane fans should feel as though they're on the up as well. But if they lost one of their best young players to a club who's sitting in a similar position to them on the ladder, which is going to take him to move in a state to, to go and play there, they, they should really start asking themselves questions as to why these players are packing up and walking. Well, the hard part as well, they've got elite development pathways and a whole system that is producing, and they're leaving before they even get to first grade. That's a scary thought. That's my point. Because mm. Walsh, him, and they've all come through the last couple of years. Dearden's obviously debuted. Walsh has signed to leave before he's even played first grade. Piakura hasn't played first grade. Like These are the guys on your development deals and the ones that you're looking to funnel in, and they're out the door before they even get on the field. <laughs> So, and your highest paid players are... And like you said, the only way to fix that is to solve your issues throughout the club. It's not a coach. It's not just a couple of players. It's a whole club issue that needs to be resolved. Because yeah. right now, it, it's a place that nobody wants to be, clearly. Yeah, what's your plan? So, on the getting off that subject, Titans, Tino right now. Fafita obviously had a big game, but fuck, forget all the raps. <laughs> Tino was unbelievable. Forget all the raps about Fafita. Tino, whack and bloke, set that standard. And again, we talk about time spent at a club it came out only this week that he could have potentially left 12 months early which surprised me I don't know if Melbourne would have agreed to that or they're just saying the Titans were interested taking him 12 months early but Mel Meninga was saying they were happy for him to stay and the same thing we just talked about he's in a great culture with great leaders around him good forwards good people to learn off the best coach in a team that has the potential to not only elevate him but help him grow and win a competition, and he's done all that, played Origin, grown over that 12 months, and now placed himself in the Titans environment, which is on the up, and taken a leadership role from what he's learned at Melbourne, and that is priceless, more so than just what you're getting on the field and what he's bringing in standards off the field. Yeah, and that's also self-awareness as a club. To say, you're in a better position. Stay where you are, and 
we'll see you next year. Yeah, and, uh, and that's that's what the Bulldogs should be doing with Burton. And this week as well, like we said, better for Fida. They didn't just use him as a battering ram. They got him some early football. They put him in some good positions, and he did what he does best. But him, yeah, but, but against the side, we should be exactly. Like the Cowboys are a side we should be. And on the flip side of that, like, Ash Taylor, nice to see him defend well finally and force a few errors, but fuck, mate, some of those early kicks were... He was bad. He was, I, thought he was, I thought he was poor. Play two, play three, play three, in good ball. It's like, why are you kicking in good ball on early tackles? Yeah. Like, fucking... Build... I think uh, Holbrook was enraged by the performances. Mate, build pressure, oh. try to get points, or use the five tackles and hand it over. Don't kick it dead for seven. Don't be putting early kicks in, just... Com- the good thing is I think we get a lot of learns out of a win. Oh, hundred percent. And they're still learning with the players they've added in and it's gonna get better. Yeah. But uh moving on from that one, Dogs Panthers, twenty eight nil. No Coruscant. Um you lose clear at the back end of the game, but prior to that, again, no worries in the wet, ninety percent completions, held him to zero, defended well, uh tight tussle in the first half, like you said, but I think the biggest difference, just the quality in Penrith. The kicking game was really, really good. They played the conditions well, and their left-hand side, uh, not surprised at all, but they just got at their left-hand edge. They tried to work around that area where Flanagan is again and isolate him, and Kikiao got a double. At other times, they used him, him and Crichton as decoys and opened up space on the outside. Uh, him and Luai Flanagan had a bit of a battle down there, which was quite interesting to see. And uh, Penrith probably should have scored a few more times, but the Dogs, when they were fighting, managed to prevent one or two, but I dare say if that was a dry track and the way they played, it could have been a lot uglier, but um, yeah. for Penrith, ticking the boxes. Um, yeah, they kicked well, they built pressure. Ex- again, yeah, expected. Expected the team. Yeah. So, uh, for the Dogs, kind of points to the, the thing about the Matt Burton thing. Like, if you put Matt Burton into their t- I don't see anything changing right now. They don't have the forwards, they don't have the consistency, they don't have the impact, they don't have a nine. Like, there's 14, 15 guys off contract this year, which I said in our season preview for a reason for the Bulldogs. It's it's not just been fixed by a few signings. They've made some signings. They've got a couple of kids coming through, but there's still a lot of work to do. And yeah. for his development right now, he's much better off at Penrith. As much as people are carrying on and complaining, I, just from a development perspective, yeah. or if, I, if, if, if I, it was Melbourne in this situation, you told me that he was at a gun club and we were struggling, I wouldn't want him there right now because I wouldn't want to break him. I think more what we said. The biggest thing to come out of this year is not just what's on the field. Their recruitment decisions are big. I, I still personally think they're spending too much money on outside backs. That's my opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to see a forward signing, and it still worries me that as good as Pyakura could be, that their big signing right now, or their big push, is an 18-year-old who hasn't played first grade yet. Yeah. I think nine and forwards are the positions right now that I want to see the Bulldogs, if I'm a fan going out and trying to get some quality players to fix that side of the ball. Because with what they've got there right now, I wouldn't be keeping Napa. I know they've brought Heathering over and he's a bit of a firebrand, but you know that, that's not going to be consistent every single week. Waddell's young. Jackson's been battling away for over a decade now. They need help in the middle. Yeah. They need forwards. They need a nine. Um, it's it's not done yet. It's, it's not something that's going to be fixed just because he bought two halves. Halves can only do with what's put in front of them by a platform and a decent nine. And right now, they don't have any of that. <laughs> so, yep. my opinion. But uh, Panthers, in the conditions, like we said, pretty dominant. 90%, 60-40 possession, 1,900 to 1,100. Kick return meters in the wet was a huge thing. They had 380 to 118 
on the other side. Brian Toto in particular was an absolute terror in those conditions and uh, good signs. Uh, Lane off the bench again, good. Look, Fisher, it's all the same, I'd say. Penrith, I'm really looking forward to the grand final rematch. Disappointed that Cleary, Pappenhausen, Arpi are obviously missing, but I'm still expecting it to be a quality game of football. And for the Bulldogs, much like the Broncos, one of their best chances to get a win. Um, two teams that are probably going to be bottom four playing this week, so hopefully uh, they spark up this week and can get a result. Dragons-Cowboys. This was a loose game of football, but I quite enjoyed it. And similar to what you said before, thought Ben Hunt played one of his best games in a long time. McCulloch was steady, uh, and they showed really, really good resilience in the back end when they are under pressure for, say, the last 15, 20 minutes defensively, which is a good sign after absolutely being torn apart in the charity shield. What, what a difference a few weeks can make. But I agree with you that the media narrative suddenly after one game that everything's fixed with Ben Hunt because they beat the Cowboys and Andrew McCulloch's the greatest signing in history is, is a bit of an overreaction. Well, the Cowboys just gave him the ball all night and said beat us. Mm. And they only did it late. So, yeah, I, I want to see it for a month. Yeah. And I'll start to believe it. And again... And against, against a good side. they got Manly this week who are two losses in and, and struggling. Like, if that's the kind of reaction you're going to have the last week saying oh Ben Hunt's back it's all been fixed off one game against a poor side well he should dominate again this week but I don't think you can go off after one game but if I'm a Dragons fan I'm happy they got the win Uh, it was an improvement on week one you're obviously happy to see him play like that it's the first time in a long time he looked confident to run the football he was physical he got himself into the line Uh, Norman wasn't too bad yeah and that was always the best part of his game yeah. Uh, him and Norman are both, they're both playing their best footy when they're running. Norman helped out a bit. Lomax had a quality night. He was really, really good. That grab at the back end, and he's goal kicking. He's 15 of 15 right now. I, I don't think I've seen a bloke strike the ball better as far as like how much just tank he gets on it. looks like a John Daly drive. Yeah. He, and it's, it's not a load-up power technique either, but I think just biomechanically, the way he's built and his long levers, the way he hits a ball... They're going to the moon. Yeah. But there were some good signs uh, for them. Obviously, like we said, we want to see it again next week. But I'm happy for Ben Hunt because like we've said all along, everyone bags him out for the contract and the form and all that. And he does need to play better. Right? But at the end of the day, clubs give the contracts, not the player. The player takes the contract. The expectation comes with it. He's copped a lot of abuse. So for his sake, I hope uh, the weekend sparks something in him and they can turn up this week and they can keep building on it. But... He was a real big difference maker on the weekend uh, and good signs for their spine. But, yeah, I'm not going to go off and shoot rocket launches and, and let loose after one game, as some people seem to have uh, over the weekend. And for the Cowboys side of things, the back end wasn't great. They had some chances. They couldn't get over the line uh, early in the game. Spine again, still not seeing enough control from either Morgan. Clifford, I don't know who's the dominant player. Robson, he's trying to probe and trying to do his best. Like, you know, uh, the, the drink water home situation, I can understand why they've got drink water at the back for the fact that he's definitely a better ball player and probably provides more spark, but I don't think he's involved enough in the games. His carry's probably not as good as Holmes from the back, but his Holmes is good with the ball. Like, I, I still think they've got a bit to work out. And obviously, just yeah. in general, they just need to play better, full stop. Cohen Hess, um, uncontested for the first try, but after that, defensively, seven or eight misses, I... I know they had injuries. I still couldn't believe he played Origin, but I'm looking at him a couple of years after the way he debuted, just going again, what's happened? Like, he could be anything, that bloke, but 
I, I don't know the what's Cowboys happened. just need to defend better. Hold the footy. Give themselves a chance. Yeah, and they're not doing that. No. Not at all. And they, they were still right in this game until probably five to go. So. Yeah. Roosters-Tigers, 40-6. to six. It was an absolute yeah. demolition job again. That right-hand side was just absolutely like an open freeway. Joey Leilua, Luciano, Brooks, they just absolutely shredded them. And even the few times when I did some video to watch it afterwards that they numbered up properly, talked about it last week. The catch, pass, and execution under pressure from the Roosters is of the absolute highest quality. There was one there where it was a four on three and Lamb's quick tap on. Like, they all shoot in, they get a man, they do exactly what you should do. Kapoa gets to him, but the hands are just too good. There's other situations where they're just executing part. Like, the the one for me, I, I said it last week, but even watching it again on the weekend, he's almost like a second half on that edge at the moment with the quality handling and the ball playing he's doing is Joey Manu. Joey Manu is doing as much ball playing and, and passing as he is more so he's running, which is a real strong point. But what him and Kiri are providing on that edge right now and Tedesco getting down there and just the amount of traffic and the hands going down that edge, the Tigers just were demolished. And they had a few little moments in the first half. The little try was soft, and I'm sure Robinson wasn't happy, but same old, same old. Um, I, I, like The narrative's come up again where they blame Cleary's roster, and the majority of those players moved on. I'm sitting here now going, well... You've signed Roberts. That wasn't Cleary. You've paid huge money for Leilu. I'm pretty sure I heard someone say that there's only two players left and buying Packer. In the top 30 that were under on. Oh, the two big big contracts. So I'm buying Packer are still on good coin, but I'm sitting here going, well, you talk about recruitment decisions and still being a poor side. No one put a gun to your head and made you pay 600000 for Joey Leilua, who's been terrible. You know, they paid big money to get off Angawi because he played a couple of games of Origin. They've played for Tamau. They got the jet for cheap. They signed Kapoa, a young guy from the Roosters. They signed Yu Tukamanu, who's had massive raps on him. They got Dane Laurie over. They paid huge money for Dewey. Like, they've had a chance after complaining that they couldn't pick their own roster to sign a fair few players, and they're going to get more room to sign players. But even with what they've brought in and the changes they've been able to make, nothing's changed in the squad. So you can't constantly run that excuse that oh, Ivan did this and it's the salary cap still. They've spent a fair bit of that money that they've turned over and nothing's yeah, changing. 100%. So no more excuses. that, that narrative doesn't fly anymore. Yes, there will be another chunk of money come available, but you also look at the direction they're heading, the results they're getting and the players they're buying with no improvement. Who wants to go there? They were turned down by Harry Grant. They were turned down by Ado Carlo. They've been turned down by Latrell Mitchell. There's a lot of players they've gone after and they've not been able to get. So, and, and I'm probably one of the worst for it because I still think he could play good football. But, yeah, Luke Brooks has definitely not lived up to his talent, but I still don't think he's ever really played in a half-decent side. And I'm not going to defend yeah, him. Yeah, look, I, I, I think it's time. Oh, he has to move like, on. He needs to... He needs to go. Do more. I just think he needs to leave. I think for both of them, they need to cut bait. It's at a point yeah. where I, I think it's detrimental for them, and I think he... Can't carry it on his own, but I also think after all the years and the guys that have left and all the changes in coach, players, roster, the best thing that would happen for him, go somewhere, take half the money for a year, and hopefully a, a decent team picks him up and he's surrounded by a bit of positivity and someone can love him up because I think someone else can get the best out of him. But I think that situation for them uh, is almost past done. But uh, he's dropped Leilua this weekend, but I still look and think, well, who are you bringing in? They've got Tommy Talao coming in this week, but there's not a whole lot of changes you can make. Well, seriously, a wheelie didn't would have defended better than him. 
on the weekend. Like, and it was embarrassing how bad he defended. The point I just and made. How lazy he is. Yeah, no one forced him to pay six hundred thousand dollars. So don't talk about bad contracts. Yeah, it was it was shocking. It, it shocked me how bad he defended. Hmm. They've added. How easily the Roosters just opened him up like a can with a can opener. Hmm. I thought. The biggest plus for them was probably watching... Yeah, drive a fucking jumbo jet through there, Tyrone. <laughs> That's how big some of those holes were out there. Yeah, ridiculous. And I, the, the one real upside so far has been Dane Laurie. He looks like a really good signing. Yeah, absolutely. He's, He's a real goer. Going good. But for the Roosters... Jason Little was good too, I thought. Considering the injuries he's had... Um, oh, I, I always liked Little. He suits... Yeah, he's had some horrendous injuries. And when I heard he abused Luciano, they lure it pre-season training or tried to fight him he went up in my business well. <laughs> so, uh, outstanding yeah, I, I like the kid I think he can play hopefully he stays fit yeah and the Roosters you couldn't give enough superlatives this is another one for the Daly I mean, how Luke Keary fucking wasn't the three points I'm not here like Morris got the hat trick and I know he come up with a kick yeah. for one of the tries but Luke Keary was just threading the needle left right and centre kicking game yep. running game line breaks and that flick pass that he gave to Morris like dear lord that is off the top shelf. Dalian points have been back in the uh, conversation this week. Oh, they've been horrendous. That's why. Yeah. But, again, Winger scores a hat-trick. I know one or two of them were pretty good, but there was a lot of work that was done before he got the opportunity to run. He three weeks, three points last week as well. Yeah, he's got six points. Jesus. They've given him man of the match in both games. He could stop the fight now. He might, he might win the winger of the year. I think Kiri's maybe on two. And I think Teddy is same deal. Uh, for what he's done, might have three. Yeah. So, uh, they had a lot of good players. Obviously, their forward pack was good again on the weekend. Collins having a big game again. And young debutante Fletcher Baker got to grab a meat pie from Lindsay Collins throwing an inside pass from a line break. That was a nice moment. Um, but for the Roosters, I think you just look at and go two huge results. Crichton was out this week. They've obviously lost friend the week before. Corden is not playing. Radley... Verils, etc., and they've still got a plethora of young guys that we've already spoken about and know about that are waiting in the wings. So um, we talked about it in our season preview. Not really talked about, not really mentioned. Can't call them a dark horse, but they weren't really talked about at all in the preseason, and that's a big mistake. They're going to be there. Exactly. Raiders uh, up again. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong one here. I've missed South at some point. Sorry, in the jumble that I've got for Manly, it just. Couldn't go any worse, I don't think. They've obviously started the year poorly. They've had all the talk about Dez's contract, which has obviously been sorted during the week, and now people are blowing up going, how could you give somebody like Dez these clauses? You're either in, all in on Dez or you're not. Well, I'm like, well, after watching how things finished at the Bulldogs and the shit show he left there and the fact they've put him in charge of the cap here, I'd want to put some fucking clauses or controls in for Dez Hazard as well <laughs> because the situation's not looking too great. They're top-heavy again. Tommy's injured. They've just lost Andrew Davy to an ACL. Curtis Siren's going to be missing for a few weeks. Their depth's already at its wit's end. And when somebody's saying, I want three years full control and, you know, basically don't tell me what to do, I'm, I, I'd cut bait. But as a lot of people have probably mentioned, who are you putting there? Who's going to take the job? And, and Manly's one of those weird clubs that it only seems to work when there's a Manly person there, which I hate talking like that. And that whole thing about it has to be a Manly person, but... Fucking hell, there's a fair bit going on. And devastated for Davey doing that ACL early in the game. But um, they were a bit flat. South opened them up like a tin can a few times on that left-hand side. They look really, really sharp whenever they can get the football down there. Cody 
and Luttrell in particular combined very, very well. But Souths, again, were clunky. They had moments where they came in and out of the game and invited Manly back in, and they got involved in the grind. Really nice try when they had the two front rows, Paseca and Tapao combined, but uh, back end of the game. Kicked into gear again. Cook finally found his running game. Bit of his mojo, got out. Benji Marshall comes in when Reynolds goes off to concussion. Proves why. He's going to be a quality signing for them. Fills in that gap. Comes up with a nice play for a line break that gets some momentum and drop out and steers him to the back end of the game. But um, Souths are far from... Yeah, and Souths are far from, you know, their best so far. But we know it's Wayne Bennett. We know he doesn't like to peak too early. They're a bit clunky, but we we see glimpses of the quality. Um, And we saw it at the back end of last year when the timing hit and they blew the roosters away and went to the finals and unfortunately couldn't come up with it against the Panthers. But... Um, I, th- I think they will build during the year. Obviously, you'd like to see things be a bit cleaner, but yeah, there's definitely some improvements in, improvement in South. Yeah, but uh, Manly, I-, I don't know where you go to losing Davy when you've already got issues and not no Tom and no Hooker and no Farno, etc. It's, it's not a great situation. But um, Siren and him last couple of weeks, I suppose Jack Gazuski will probably get a crack. If not, they'd choose to come in and fill in. He- he's a big enough body to play there. Like he plays six in the juniors, which is crazy because he's got the skill but he can play anywhere from there back row centre so um, yeah see how they play up yeah but South plenty of improvement Latrell quality again we talked about that sin bin and the DCE moment but for them just building up like last year him Cody um, no panic on their side of things they got Liam Knight to come back Arrow in a new club that, that they'll build yeah so and the last one we've got uh, is the Raiders Cronulla game. I thought this was ugly in the first half. It was terrible. It was the Raiders very clunky again inside twenty, and I think I basically said this last week. Similar deal to South and a lot of teams. It's almost like a new spine for the Raiders. They played without Hodgson last year. He's brought himself back in the mix. They've got to find balance in the way they play. Uh, things are very very clunky inside twenty. Jack didn't have the greatest game. Few errors. Few poor kicks. It, it, it's a bit messy, but for all the possession and dominance they had, they needed more points. The second half, they got caught in the Bermuda Triangle when you play the Sharks in that dogfight. They made errors coming out of yardage. They just couldn't get themselves out of there, and Cronulla were coming for them, and in the end, it just turned out to be goal-kicking, which cost them. Yeah, well, they were lucky they couldn't kick the goal because it was a game they, they probably should have should have lost. Um, like you said, yeah, Raiders were clunky, and... Um, Cronulla just they just couldn't close. They got issues scoring points. Cronulla. Oh, massively. Um, Huge. And that's sort of the criticism. I think they were there to be had the Raiders, but um, Cronulla just couldn't produce enough points. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'm, I'm looking at their situation. Johnson's still a little bit away. Uh, they certainly. Get dirty enough in the middle. Thought Rudolph had a pretty good game and their forwards did enough of a job. They've got some quality in their outside backs to finish. They had a few moments there with some of those sweet plays with Moylan, Kennedy, where they opened them up. But I, I think they're a similar deal, like we said about the Warriors before. Depending on who they get back on board, if they can keep that defence tight, Talakai, Hunt still to come back. Uh, I still think they're, they're on the border of the eight somewhere. They're going to compete with everyone. They're going to get dirty. I, I just don't know whether they're going to be able to maintain it over 24 rounds. I, I don't really know what to think of the Sharks, but I still think John Morris in that situation needs to be resolved, and I still think he's doing 
a pretty good job, and it looks like they're playing for him. But for Canberra, uh, bench was really, really good. Ryan James, massive game on the weekend. Sebastian Chris, his two games after having a whole year off, thought he's been really, really good. Croker is back this week from injury. He, he's going to have to play well because Chris has certainly played well the first two weeks. And I know it's hard after surgery, but uh, yeah, he's been one thing especially which we've criticised at times for Croker, that Chris wasn't. Is He was defensively sound. He was very good. Yeah, I don't think they overly missed... Um, doesn't look like they missed Croker, have they? Nah. Papali, Tapine, both great again. Good impact. Hudson Young's had two really good games so far. Finished with a bit of a knee issue, so see what's going on there. But, um, yeah, for Cronulla, like we said, the goal kicking. Chad and Moylan had some moments. I thought Kennedy had a really good game, along with Rudolph. But, um, yeah, they've obviously got some troops that'll come back in. Fafita's still out of the side and talk that he might be linked to the Dragons now, which is interesting. Got a lot of money, so there'd have to be some terms and some sharing going on there, you'd think. But, yeah, interesting situation. I thought Hudson, Hudson Young was really good in this game as well. Yeah, oh, he's, he's been great to start there. Really, really good. But uh, there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Let's move on now to our tips and some of our bets. And... Uh, how we went last week, you got six and you got thir- on 13. I got five. Gossip got five. We're both on 13. And the roast after a perfect round, Dean, he got four. He is now on 12. And the first game to kick off round three is the grand final rematch, the Panthers and the Storm. And obviously, a couple of big outs. Pappenhausen announced today that he's uh, he's been pulled out with a neck injury. They've got Hines on the bench. So I'm assuming he probably gets shuffled into there and they bring someone onto the bench for the Panthers. We know Coruscant is not available. Now Nathan Cleary's pulled out. More than likely, Matt Burton comes into that spot. So, unfortunately, we're not getting the full grand final rematch, Brock, but still probably going to be a cracker game. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think Penrith win. Uh, Melbourne don't often lose two in a row, though, so that, that's going to be interesting. But Penrith haven't lost a home game since, oh, I think it's July 2019. It's been a while. So... Been a long, long while. They'll want to revenge that grand final loss. I think there's probably a little bit more to play for 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 the Panthers to sort of prove that point. Home crowd Thursday night, um, throwing the floods, and and you know that sort of point of motivation as well. Uh, flip of the coin, but home a little bit more motivation. Penrith, yeah. Uh, I think Burton's a, a pretty capable replacement for Cleary. Well, um, two years there Kenny, as well. Kenny did a good job last week. So yeah, two um, years of I, you know Nico Hines. I'm not in love with him at fullback. No, nah, well so. pa- Pappenhausen. I'd have to say Cl- Cleary. Probably oh, he's very important to Penrith, but with Luai and Burton already there and that side and the time they've spent together. Yeah, Pap- well, whether they shuffle Burton onto the bench and play May. Yeah, like, uh, there's a few ways around. I think Pappenhausen's a bigger blow to Melbourne. Massive blow. And obviously no Harry Grant already. Nelson's under a cloud with a chest injury. Still no Finucane. So I think the emotion... So from the grand final, you've lost the best player of all time. Yeah, and we don't have Tino. And the Clive Churchill winner. Yeah, no Tino. We're all on the Panthers, though. You're on the Panthers. I am Gossip. And Dean from the roast and the odds, it's a $1.90 pick and with the bookies. Minus one and a half is the line there for that game. So even the bookies with those injuries do not want to pick... It was a $1.85, $1.95 last night but mm. Cleary's even that up so. changed over I'm surprised it hasn't gone back the other way with Pappenhausen out there yeah I thought it would have slipped a little bit the other way but no. yeah I think the money will probably come for Penrith yeah with no Grant and no Pappenhausen yeah definitely uh, think 
and Melbourne will play a very, very simple game. And I think the emotion for Penrith and a full house will certainly do a big favour uh, to get them fired up for the grand final rematch. Yeah. So clean sweep on the Panthers. Second game uh, for the early Friday night is the Dragons up against the Manly Seagulls. The Dragons, no injuries, no worries. They come back full side for Manly. Obviously, Davey did the ACL. Josh Schuster has been named to start in the back row. They're low on stocks, though, like I said. Sirian's obviously injured. Hamali Oluka R2 obviously injured. Kate Cust entered concussion protocol, that bad knock last week. And uh, Tommy Trebojevic is still a bit of time away. So with no confidence, I'm going to back the Dragons to, you know, string two together, hopefully, and take a bit of confidence. But for Manly, um, they're definitely in the game last week. They weren't the first week, but... There were some signs there, but it's really worrying with all these injuries so early. Um, it's probably two teams that we don't expect to make the eight, but I'm very interested to see how Manly play, and obviously, like I said, to see if the Dragons can back it up two weeks in a row. Yeah, I guess you've sort of got to tip the Dragons. I, I'd, I'd, I'd be, wouldn't be shocked if Manly won this game, but just on all those changes, and yeah, I'll go, I'll go the Dragons, but who knows. Yeah, well, we're a clean sweep on the Dragons again, and the bookies have got them a favourite. Dollar seventy-four, two ten for Manly, minus two is the line, and we go from one extreme to the other with the Friday night late game being a blockbuster rematch between the Roosters and Souths. Uh, on the South Sydney side of things, Mansour is back into the team after Jackson Paulo was concussed. Adam Reynolds is in concussion protocol, but has been named to play. Liam Knight's back doing contact training, but he's not in the side, potentially back next week. But for the Roosters, a couple of big inclusions. Victor Radley is back on the bench for his first game. They get Angus Crichton back this week. So Hutchison, Fletcher Baker are out of the side. Um, in this one, I think similar to what we said before, a little bit of motivation from the bad result last year. They've started the year red hot. I'm sure South would be right up for this one as well because when these two go head-to-head, it's always a fiery clash. But... Um, just getting those two guys back, the two wins they've had so far, and they look a bit sharper at this stage of the year. I'm going to be going with the Roosters. Yeah, me too. And again, clean sweep from everyone. Gossip and uh, the Roast are also on board. And looking at the odds for this one between the Roosters and Souths, Roosters' favourites are $1.62.35 for Souths, minus 3.5 is the line in that one. Raiders-Warriors kick off the early Saturday game. And as we said, Jared Croker back on board. Sebastian Christian's been great in the first two games. is named in the reserves, so whether that's foolproof yet or not, but he's been good for the Warriors. Sean O'Sullivan comes in with Chanel Tavita-Harris out to play in the halves. Bunty Afoa starts a prop with Tanoa Brown being suspended. And Jack Murchie returns on the bench after a peck injury. Bailey Sirenin's arm was in a sling, but he was named anyway, so that was just... A precaution. Uh, again, I thought they've done their job the first two weeks. They were solid against the Titans last week. They were in it right to the death, but I think Tavita Harris is a big blow. Already having lost Aiken and now Tanoa Brown as well. Down in Canberra have been clunky. I'll, I'll be sticking with the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. And we're a clean sweep again. Everyone's on the Raiders, and they're very heavy favourites. The heaviest so far that I've seen. A dollar twenty-two. To 425. I don't think the Warriors have been that bad to have that sort of line. 11 and a half start the bookies are giving about the Warriors, so they're fairly confident in that one, which is a surprise. The middle Saturday game, Broncos up against the Bulldogs. Kevin Walters is stuck with the same side 
but there is Dearden lurking in the reserves, so I'd be interested to say if they're just trying to play Ducks and Drakes. For the Bulldogs, a big blow. Raymond Fatalamarana broke his foot. He's going to be out for up to 20 weeks. Corey Waddell, yeah, huge. Basically season done. Uh, Waddell comes into the back row. Joe Stimson is onto the bench, and Tui Katoa comes onto the wing with Dallin Zalesniak. Suspended, Sianni Katawa goes back to the bench, and Marshall King starts. Look, if there's ever going to be a game I think either of these teams win, it would be this one. But Fitalamarana is a big blow. Dallin out for Tui Katawa is a big blow. I have no confidence, but if the Broncos are going to win one and going to take some pressure off, this is going to be it. So I'm going to flip a coin and tip the Broncos. Yeah, is it up there? It's in Brisbane. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Brisbane. It's a 50 game. I'll go with the home team. Yeah. And uh, we're a clean sweep again on the Broncos, but with no confidence, I'm assuming, and they're slight favourites of the bookie. They're $1.70, 2 dollars for the Bulldogs. And uh, the line in this one, minus 2.5. For, me- uh, for betting, that's a stay away, that game. Not oh, go- yeah. Not going near that one. 100%. Eels, Sharks, Bank West should be a good one. Always uh, a grind when you come up against the Sharkies. And for the Eels, the only change, Madison will not play, obviously, after that bad concussion. Off the back of that, Isaiah Papali'i, who's been great in the first two games, starts in the back row, and Ray Stone comes onto the bench. Near Corey fills in again at centre with Wunga Blake out still for a few weeks. And for the Sharks, Connor Tracy comes from the interchange to play starting centre with Marwan Hirodi being dropped out of the side altogether. Teague Wilton comes onto the bench to replace him. Uh, I think this will be ugly, but I'm going to go with Parra off the confidence they got last week and their at Bent West again, but as always, I just think the Sharks are one of those games where if you're not committed or they do what they did against Brisbane the week early, they can jump you. Yeah, well, they can't jump top eight sides, so I'll yeah. go Parra. And clean sweep again. All of us are on Parra, and the bookies reflect that at $1.37. three ten for the Sharks, minus 7.5 is the line there. Sunday, Knights, Tigers. Been a bit of a bogey side at times, Uh the, the Tigers for the Newcastle side. I, I don't know if that'll be the case this week, but they certainly need to find a win. But for Newcastle, Kurt Mann has been named uh, to play and he's replacing Phoenix Crossland. He was suspended in case Mann can't get through with his knee, which pulled him out the week before. Nathaniel Sasungi has been named in the reserves. Young bloke they've had wraps on for a long time, so keep your eyes on that. In um, the injury ward for them over the next few weeks should be emptied out. Edric Lee's close, Pong is close, and Green is uh, not too far away from being able to play as well. But for the West Tigers, Joey Lalua finally has been dropped after a couple of Barry Crockers. James Roberts. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. James Roberts comes in after missing last week with a shoulder. Zane Musgrove comes straight to the front row, coming back from suspension. Offerham Gowie drops back to the bench. Cheek Cam is out of the side. And, uh, yeah, a couple of changes there. Uh, Newcastle, again, at home and the way they've been playing, I'm sticking with them, but... Yeah, for the Tigers, I don't know what Madge does really. Um, the Jet can be just as rocks and diamonds, probably not as bad, but um, yeah, definitely going with Newcastle. Yep, me too. Yep, and it's a clean sweep again in the tips. Everyone on the Knights, and another one where the book is reflected a dollar thirty to three fifty minus nine and a half is the line there. And the last game to round out the weekend up at North Queensland, who need a win as well or need a good performance. Another Queensland derby up against the Titans. Murray Torlungi comes onto the wing for the suspended Kyle Felt, who copped two weeks for his lifting tackle. And they've stuck with Cotter at third. What do you make of that? I didn't think that tackle was that bad. I think 
maybe 10 years ago, people would have said it's a great tackle. I think one of them went a little bit over, but it was more back. Oh, get two weeks for that. But, yeah, um, I think more where we've headed as a game. But, uh, you know, the funny thing, I thought if they pinned him for one, they didn't pin him for the second time. There was two of them. They were exactly yeah, the same. And they both... He, he got up after both of them, and they, they hugged. Like, he, he, only, he only got charged for one, though. <laughs> Fucking stupid. So, yeah, that surprised me. But um, Cotter, after the Tamalolo injury... He's going to stay at 13. Holmes, uh, obviously, you were thinking maybe there might be a switch, but they've stuck. Good time to get the Cowboys with Tamalolo out. Yeah, huge. And um, they've stuck with the same spine. Huge. Cl- huge. Clifford, Morgan, Drinkwater still at one. Uh, we'll see if that continues, but obviously right now that's what they're doing. And on the side of things for the Titans... They've made one force change. Ash Taylor is injured for a few weeks. Tanner Boyne will come in at number six, and Philip Semi holds that spot in the centres uh, after coming back in last week with Kelly injured. Uh, again, uh, I'm on the Titans. I liked what I saw last week. A derby game always brings out the best, but no Tamalala, as you said, makes it really, really hard to tip the Cowboys, and they just look short of confidence right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip the Titans, but... They went overly convincing last week, and I'm not sure Brisbane are, you know, strong form. So no, but well, I don't think the dra- a loss of the Dragons is strong form either, in my opinion. So I, I don't know. No, but well, uh, who needs to win more? Cowboys do. They're at home, so. Uh, but who's the better side? Probably the Titans. So I'll go Titans. Well, it's a clean sweep again. Everyone has tipped the same round. Everyone's on the Titans. The bookies, as you said, probably not uh, as ruthless in this one, but a dollar fifty favourite are the Gold Coast Titans. The Cowboys. Yeah, I think it's a little bit short, especially with Taylor out. But... Uh, Cowboys two sixty minus five and a half is the line there. So no one's going to be gaining or losing any points this week. We've all tipped the same round, um, but yeah, a few teams that obviously need to show some signs. You'd be looking for a bit of life out of the Tigers, Manly. Cowboys, five teams without a win. Brisbane and Dogs, one of them's going to get a win after losing their first two. Roosters up against South, absolute corker. The grand final rematch, despite the injury, should be a corker. Raiders-Warriors, hopefully a good forward battle. Two good forward packs. uh, Some good football to look forward to this weekend. Oh, yeah. There you go. Another week in the book. Apologies for the delay, but, uh, yeah, the situation that unfolded, a bit out of control, uh, unfortunately. So, duty called with work, but... We've got it done at the end for the punters. Hopefully this one lands in the morning. You can listen before the round kicks off. And uh, Brock, I think, as we said before, best wishes to everybody out there. We hope everyone's safe and sound and you weren't affected. If you are, our condolences. Um, Not, as we said, a great 18 months or so from fires to COVID to this situation. But as always, um, everyone help each other out. The power of the, the human spirit and the way we all seem to come together and support each other. And hopefully this is just another hurdle we overcome and Fingers crossed there's nothing else on the back end. Just, no. uh, it's, it's been a rough 18 months, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else, mate? No, that's it. The answer okay. is a pineapple. Is a pineapple. Well, there you go. Everybody out there, for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.